1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. Friends are turning on friends. The moment you get comfortable is when you get killed. Shut up, Mickey. I think he's rude. All new big brother Wednesday at nine on global nasty. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
2: What a pleasure to have you tuning in this evening. The Edmonton Eskimos practicing, looking Pretty healthy. Tanner Green got hurt last game, but other than that, they uh, came out of it unscathed. They will visit Toronto on Friday. Four o'clock for the countdown to kick off here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 5.30. The Argos not having a good year. The Eskimos shut them out when they played them a few weeks ago. But don't forget, Toronto did beat Winnipeg. Remember that, Kellen? What a great night that was. It was. As I was mocking the Argos relentlessly. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> saying that they should be they should fold or move to Saskatoon. And then they pulled they come off. They back and beat Winnipeg. Down yeah. 20 to nothing. And then they got a dramatic victory. That, that might be, well, there have been a few good games in the CFL this year. Some dramatic comebacks. Hamilton did that to BC on Saturday. Uh, Calgary had to come back against the Lions. BC and Toronto had a crazy game on that last second single point for BC to win. Uh, I mean, the Eskimos have had some games come down to late in the game.
3: Yeah, it's been a great season so far just across the league, and we haven't even reached Labor Day yet. So, like, the the I wackiness think, and nuttiness continues, right?
2: I, I think some of the sc- – I mean, there have been some high-scoring games. I, I think some fans I talked to, you know, would like to see a little more offense. I mean, if it's a four-point game, do you want it to be 16-12 or do you want it to be 36-32? Probably 36-32, but if your favorite team wins like the Eskimos did on Friday, uh, you'll take the score, however it happens. Okay, this is a great story here. Uh, We have a young lady from, uh, from Sherwood Park, Kelsey Mitchell, who has returned from the Pan Am Games in Peru. As a double medalist, she got a gold in the individual sprint. She got a silver in the team sprint with her partner uh, Amelia Walsh. And I'm pleased to welcome Kelsey to Inside Sports. Kelsey, you're on with Reed. How are you doing?
4: I'm good.
2: How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you for checking in. Uh, checking in tonight. It, it, this is awesome to talk to you. And uh, and you're a great story. I, I mean, wow. Did you did you go to the Pan Am? What what kind of expectations did you take with you to the Pan Am Games?
4: Um. To be honest, I was hoping to podium, so, I mean, uh, I was happy to walk away with a gold and silver.
2: All right, so you you did the 200-metre sprint. What was your time?
4: I did 10.89 seconds.
2: And that was a record, was it not?
4: Yes, it was. It was uh, a tenth faster than the previous record.
2: Okay, so that's pretty good. And then how does the team sprint work?
4: So, team sprint is two laps, um, two people start, and only one has to finish, so... I was the second girl, so I would draft behind the first girl, and then finish the race with the two laps.
2: Okay, all right. Well, well, great stuff. But I, I want to, I want to get your story here. How old are you now? I'm 25. You're 25, and when did you start competitive cycling?
4: Uh, a year and a half ago, I started competitive <laughs> <Okay>. cycling.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now this is interesting because I've interviewed a lot of people in your age age range who have won medals or who are really good at their sports, and I say, when did you start? They say, oh, when I was four or when I was eight or when I was 12. <laughs> uh, how come this is just something you, you really dove into in the last 18 months?
4: Um, so I played sports my entire life, uh, mainly soccer. Um, so I was always an athlete. And then I played my uh, five years. Two years at University of Alberta and then three with the Na Finished um, soccer, didn't really know what I was going to do. And then I signed up for a program called RBC Training Grounds. It's um, basically an Olympic combine where they'll test athletes on their speed, power, strength, and endurance. Um, and then national sport organizations can reach out to you depending on if they want to do some additional testing. And Cycling Canada reached out and here I am. <laughs>
2: So this, they kind of noticed you because you were doing so well.
4: Uh, yeah, my uh, leg power was pretty good, and so they wanted to
2: recruit me. Your leg power was pretty good. Can you <laughs> can you explain? I mean, yeah. I'm not making fun of it. It just sounded funny. Can you explain <laughs> that a bit more?
4: Um, yeah. So I did one of the tests was a vertical jump, um, and after I did that, uh, Cycling Canada representative pulled me aside and got me on uh, a watt bike um, just to see what my numbers were. I did 1,200-some watts, which, I mean, it meant nothing to me at the time, but he's like, that surpasses the national standard. Um, and so they flew me out to Milton, Ontario, did some additional testing, and my numbers were good. And then they got me on a bike and then on the track, and yeah.
2: All right. So that's that's pretty interesting stuff. So what, what did you... So you have those numbers, but there's more to being an elite-level cyclist than that. So what other intricacies of the sport did you have to pick up to get to where you are now?
4: Yeah, I was um, horrible on the bike at the beginning. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was not a natural at all. Um, I... Yeah, it's been. I started in November, so in Edmonton, so middle of the winter, or I guess just the start of the winter, and so I was inside on. Um, they're called rollers, and the bike just basically sits on top, and you spin, and I could barely do it for like five seconds, so on over. So that was the beginning of a long journey, and then um, eventually got to get on the track here in Milton later on in May, and then um, yeah, I mean it was it just it was a very slow. I mean, obviously, it was fast, I guess, uh, but um, it took a while for me to get comfortable on the bike, to be honest.
2: And you were playing soccer for the U of A Pandas? Yeah, I did two years with them, and then three years with the NDU. Oh, sorry. Okay, so what What have your... Uh, I assume you're in touch with at least some of your former teammates. Are, are they kind of like, what? You're a cyclist now? <laughs>
4: <What's>... <laughs> yeah, well, I got a lot of texts and uh, messages being like, what? Like, how did this even happen? like... Yeah, but, I mean, everyone's super supportive, and they're like, yeah, anyone can do it, it's you. And so, I mean, yeah, it's been quite the journey for sure.
2: Now, you said when you went to the Pan Am Games, your expectations were to be on the podium. Now, is that just athlete confidence, or or did you, <laughs> like, actually think you'd come that far that you were a favorite to get a medal?
4: So, with this sport, I mean, you, can, you measure everything. So, I knew my time going into the sport and i knew the other girls times and i i knew that if i executed everything properly i could definitely be in the top three so
2: okay so you have an idea based on previous results and personal bests and all that kind of stuff yeah, exactly. Okay, Kelsey Mitchell joining us on in Inside Sports. She got a gold and a silver in cycling at the Pan Am game. She's from Sherwood Park, currently training in Ontario. Tell us a little bit about your, your soccer career. Was that more the sport where if I asked you, like, that's the one you started playing when you were six or seven?
4: Yeah, uh, soccer started at four years old and played my entire life. Um, yeah, I dabbled in basketball and volleyball in like high school, um, but soccer was always my number one.
2: What, has it been different for you playing now involved in, and I know there's a team element to cycling and, and you uh-huh. won something in the team sprint, but I mean, it's more of an individual event as opposed to soccer. Has that at all been a transition for you mentally or just how you get up for competition? Uh,
4: yeah, I, um, that's probably my biggest struggle switching from, because I always did team sports and then coming into an individual sport. Um, like you're out on the track by yourself, it's you versus the, your opponent, and, I mean, you have your coach on the sidelines or in the track, but, yeah, it's, yeah, that was definitely a mental struggle for me.
2: All right. So what, What I mean, the Olympics are next year, so are you on, are you on the team? How do, you, how do you get to Tokyo?
4: Yeah, it's, it's a point-based system uh, with track cycling. Uh, you have to be top eight in the world, like Canada. Has to be top eight in the world um, in either of the three disciplines, which is team sprint, match sprint, and Kieran. Um, so, right now, uh, like if the Olympics were tomorrow, we'd have two spots, um, but we have a whole nother World Cup season coming up where we have to get some points to keep those spots.
2: Okay, and then you'd have to be one of the top Canadians to get one of those spots. Exactly. So is a spot on the Canadian team based on your season, or is there like a week or weekend of trials where you have to qualify?
4: Uh, So there's national standards that are set, um, and you have to go to nationals and do those standards, and then depending on if it's better than anyone on the team or if they're looking to bring people onto the team, um, then you can be brought on.
2: Okay, well, we're, we'll follow you through that. all the best with that. That's incredible. All right, so as someone who grew up in in Sherwood Park, uh, playing soccer and then getting into cycling, who were who were some of your favorite athletes as a kid or maybe now?
4: Uh, big Christine Sinclair fan.
2: <laughs> Good pick, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's
4: probably the one I would watch for soccer. But uh, I didn't follow super closely any other. I mean, I love watching people's stories. Like, I love the Olympics. Um,
2: All right. And anybody in Sherwood Park you want to give a shout-out to?
4: Um, Everyone who's listening, and I guess my parents. I know they're tuning in. (laughs) Well, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Kelsey's parents you better text in right now to 6:3630 no I'm joking uh, well well this is this this is really cool I mean if you like other people's stories I, I hope you realize that you have a really cool one and we're definitely gonna gonna stay in touch and I hope we're talking about an Olympic birth and an Olympic medal or medals in the in the, uh, in the next 11 or 12 months because this is great congratulations on what you've achieved Thanks for sharing anything, everything on inside sports tonight and we'll definitely keep in touch.
4: Awesome. Thank you so much for having
2: me. That is Kelsey Mitchell checking in this evening. Man, that is, I mean, when, I just, when somebody told me about the story, I was like, what, what a minute? Like she just, mid-20s, she starts competitive cycling and wins two medals at the Pan Am Games and and now has a great shot to be on the Canadian Olympic team. So, so that is awesome stuff. She got a gold in the sprint at the Pan Am in Peru, a silver in the team sprint, and you heard it in her voice. She's all in with this, and she's, extremely confident so Kelsey Mitchell remember that name absolutely it is 717 Inside Sports on 630
5: Chad. This is Don Unoma of the Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Kelsey
2: Mitchell's Uncle and Cousins listening in from Seattle. Cool. They let us know on the text line. Another texter says, awesome athlete. Great change of sport. Good for Kelsey. And Murr the Stamps guy says, just watched her run on Twitter. Just awesome. That is uh, Murr the Stamps guy. I think I lost a bet to Murr that I didn't even make. Didn't something like that happen? I think Murray just basically said, we have a bet. And then he texted me after the game and said, I won the bet. And I don't remember agreeing to it. I think I read it. Doesn't mean I agreed to it. I can't remember. <laughs> you were, you uh, it's on It's on tape somewhere if, if it's, it's happened, on, We'll listen to it on our Walkmans that's later. That's right. <laughs> Roadhammer texting in. He says, now I have a handle for myself for the slaw. Call me the Sylvan Lake Southpaw. That's from Roadhammer. It is international left-hander's day. Now- Road, Roadhammer, is our. Uh, he's our reigning slaw champion. We have not heard from the pizza delivery guy for a while. Now, does he want that on Rob a Hammer's robe or a t-shirt?
3: Him. That would be my question. Does he want it what? Th- there's there's two ways we could do it. We could have it on the back of a robe, or it could be his t-shirt, I one of
2: the two. Do they? I think it has to be a robe. I think so, too. Or maybe in the slaw, we could have some other article of clothing that wrestlers wear into the ring. The, the rest they, they don't wear... Macho Man wore a robe. Yes. Hogan did not wear a robe. No, he had a t-shirt. Well, he and then the he'd rip shirt. it, right? Yeah. What did Warrior wear? Nothing is Just, just his gaunch. <laughs> well, he wore his wrestling gaunch. It's, it's, yeah, the the wrestling tights, that's it. Uh, Murr the staffs guy said, no, you said you'll take that. Well, maybe I did bet, Murray. W- would any other Inside Sports listener be offended if I just didn't pay up with Murray? <laughs> I, Murray, I'll mail you a piece of northern chicken. <laughs> I'll throw a drumstick in the mail. Or you could go Just double. Just wrap it. He'd Just go wrap it no. in duct tape and mail it to Murr. He'd go double or nothing with him for Labor Day. Uh, do I dare do that? Yeah, I guess we could do that. But yeah, there then go. there's the rematch the following Saturday, September Triple 7th. Triple or nothing. <laughs> Triple or nothing. Well, no, because the Eskimos will even it up on Labor Day and, That's then right. win, and then win the season series back home. That's all right. 3 nothing. Toronto leading Texas. In the top of the seventh. Uh, Kelsey Mitchell, that that's a great story. And that's the type of stories we like telling on inside sports and, and local athletes who are doing great on an international level. So we'll keep an eye on Kelsey's progress on the bike here in the months to come. So 18 months ago, she just gets into competitive cycling. And... She gets. She told you how she got noticed. They, they like. It sounded funny, but they, they measured her leg power and said, "Hey, maybe you can cycle." And she's been doing great. So Kelsey Mitchell from Sherwood Park. Remember that name? Absolutely. We will have Kings Court with Ryan King in the next half hour of the show. We'll also catch up with Kirby Doc. Speaking of local kids doing well from Fort Saskatchewan, star player with the Saskatoon Blades in the Western Hockey League and the third overall pick of the Chicago Blackhawks at the draft in June. So we'll take you through his summer. Going to be nice to talk to uh, to Kirby. I know I mentioned uh, a few days ago, <laughs> Roadhammer says, the Ultimate Warrior wore nothing but tassels and face paint. That's right. I always liked his theme song. Yeah, it was high intensity for well, sure. Does it have a title? Uh, unstable. <laughs> because the Ultimate Warrior is unstable. That's it. Fair enough. Yeah. So anyway, I mentioned a few days ago my cousin is visiting me from uh, from Kitchener Waterloo Ontario. He's with me for a few more days. He is he's not a s- sports fan type guy at I uh, at all. Um, and the he was watching uh, a lot of he hasn't been watching as much lately, Kellen, but he was watching a lot of rea- reality television. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So he was watching what were the shows he was watching? Bar Rescue. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Uh, is it a good one? I feel like it's not a good one. I I I feel like it's the exact opposite of a good show. I enjoy it. (laughs) I enjoy it. Now it's like one of those shows that you watch
3: on Sunday when nothing else is on in the middle of summer. But
2: but is that the definition of a good show? It's entertaining. If you were, if, like, if someone hour, said to you, why did you go to this restaurant, and you said, well, nothing else was open and I was hungry, to me, that doesn't endorse that restaurant. Okay, good point. <laughs> so if I say to you, why did you watch Bar Rescue, and you said there, uh, there was nothing else to watch, So I mean, we all have 200 channels now or whatever. Okay, so anyway, Bar, uh, bar Rescue. Mm-hmm. Where, by the way, I, I don't know any of these people. But the host of Bar Rescue from a little I've seen, not the host, the rescuer, yeah. I don't know his name. The, he the expert. To, he seems to get angry a lot. Yeah, that's kind of the motif. It's it's like the whole
3: the Gordon Ramsay thing comes in and saves the restaurant. This guy comes in and saves the bar type thing. It's, kind of, it's got to be like in the precursor to the agreement, did you have to get angry at no apparent reason during the show? To no, is do it, it. but
2: is it not true most of these bars then fail after they're rescued? That seemed to me to happen. That's what I've seen online, yeah, is that this completely doesn't help them out at all. In fact, it hinders them even more. And then he was watching. So you watched Bar Rescue. Uh, what were the other ones? Storage Wars. Is that a show? That's a show, yeah. And I don't understand. So they let people into a storage, an abandoned storage container? Is, mm-hmm. that, how- is that the premise of the show? Yeah. I got to admit, these are weird enough premises that they- these might be things you and I would think of as a joke, Kellen, but we'd never think it'd be a show. So there's an... Let me just get, I'm going to spell this out out loud because I feel like the people who are in these, you know, who are into these shows and watch them maybe maybe need to hear the actual premise out loud. So there's an abandoned abandoned storage container Mm -hmm. and they let the average citizen into the container and they start bidding on the contents of the container. That's right. With just barely having a look at it.
3: Yeah, because the storage company needs to recoup
2: its loss, obviously, for renting out that well, container, obviously. Right? So that's what it is. And then what happens once someone has the winning bid for the container? Well, they own the container. They own everything inside the But then is there the ever any where they follow up and see, oh, I thought this was a, 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 a valuable Spider-Man comic, but it turns out it's been eaten by a dog and it's worth nothing? Yeah, that I'm unsure
3: of. I'm, I am I know of the. the I know
2: the mechanics of the thing. I'm just not sure what happens with the, the stuff afterwards. So he's been watching Storage Wars, Bar Rescue, uh, Pawn Stars. I learned... Okay, that's the one with Chumley. Yes. Okay. And Def Leppard was on Pawn Stars, two of the guys. We learned that last mm-hmm. week because we had Textures uh, writing it. And we watched... I actually didn't mind this one as much. He he watched a couple episodes of Chopped. And oh, okay. I like watching the cooking shows because I just like to see how food is prepared. Yes. Right. And it was kind of interesting because they had to make their dishes and it was one of those they don't know what's in the what ingredients they're gonna have they get some kind of mm. a box and they open it up and it's like ah oh, it's a live shark I yep. gotta cook with it exactly a mystery m- ingredient See, that's, uh, th- that's what our show would be you gotta you, you first you have to you know defeat the deadly animal and then prepare it that, that's that, right that'd be an interesting show you must eat what you've defeated <laughs> eat what you defeat that's going to be our cooking show. I like that. What a summer. So we founded a, a wrestling association, the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. Right. And now we have come up with the concept for a reality cooking show, Eat What You Defeat. So you have to go head-to-head against a deadly animal. <laughs> and, you know, let's face it, by defeat, uh, you'd have to kill it. So it'd be a little bit of hunting. So you'd be you'd be in a cage, and it'd be like uh, a, a puma, for example. So you gotta beat it and then make a meal. And if you would that be, a, would that be a considered too dark a show? I don't, I don't think that's any more twisted than intervention. You know, following addicts and, and 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 their journey. Nah, it's 2019. If watching
3: the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies from the '80s have taught me anything, it's that this is a dystopian universe. Like,
2: it's sort of like the Running Man. It is. Like like Unafraid yeah. is like a twist on the Running Man. We just need a killian. That's it. <laughs> we'll have the skating man Kirby Doc from the Saskatoon Blades and Chicago Blackhawks when we get back.
1: For all the news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6 3
2: Chad. To Top of the eighth, Blue Jays leading Texas 3 0. Ryan King will have King's Court. Every Tuesday here on Inside Sports coming up later this half hour. Eskimos in Toronto on Thursday, 4 o'clock for the countdown to kick off on 6.30. Shed with Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, and Blake Dermott. The game will start at 5.30. All right, our next guest. Racked up 73 points in 62 games for the Saskatoon Blades in the WHL this past season. A couple of months ago, he was taken third overall by the Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL draft. Welcome to Inside Sports, Kirby Doc. Kirby, how are you doing? Good. Good. Yourself? I'm doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show, and thanks for fitting us in. This has is, this is probably been a summer unlike any other you've had before in your life, I'm guessing.
5: Yeah, it's it's been very busy. I mean, it's nonstop. You're going in every direction and you're being pulled in three different ways. But uh, it's, it's been nice to kind of spend a couple of weeks at home and just hang out with the family and relax uh, before the mayhem starts the season.
2: Well, let's go back to the draft in Vancouver. I was there covering it, and there was a lot of speculation about where you might go. Were you going to go fifth? Were you going to go seventh? All that kind of stuff. Who's going to take you? And then sort of the momentum started to, uh, to really roll that, that maybe you were going to go third to Chicago. What was the lead-up to the draft like for you? I mean, there must have been a lot of teams talking to you, and, and maybe you were kind of weren't sure where you were going to get picked.
5: Yeah, I think that's kind of what it was like. I mean, you go into that kind of blind and not know what's, what's going to happen. But uh, obviously, you can t- you're starting to hear chatter from uh, social media and other sites like that. But I uh, didn't know really until the day of the draft what was going to happen.
2: What were your pre-draft uh, meetings or the interviews like with the Blackhawks? Did you sense there was so- some interest there? Yeah, obviously.
5: Yeah, I met with them quite a few times. In, uh, in Buffalo for the Combine. But then after that, it was kind of radio silence. Didn't hear too much from them, but uh, uh, it was good. I mean, you, know, you kind of get those gut feelings when you're meeting with those teams, but you're never too sure until you hear your hand called.
2: What are those interviews and some of the things that happen at the Combine like Kirby? I've, I've had some players in the past tell me that uh, they, they might have got a bit of an unexpected question or two it's a little more than just hockey was there anything that, that stood out for you where you felt like okay they're, they're trying to put me on the spot or, or see how I handle a bit of a funny question
5: yeah I think it's just kind of more so focused around you as a person and uh, how you are away from the rink and if you're doing all the right things Cause they, they spend all year trying to figure out who you are as a player and they got a pretty good idea of, of who that is. So for them to kind of have a sit-down meeting with you is is what they want to, to know about you more as a person than a Kirby Doc, the player. So uh, their meetings were, were pretty serious. There wasn't any too too many questions that caught me off guard, but uh, it was all good.
2: I was. I, I think this is a player who wound up getting drafted by the Eskimos. He said he was once asked by one of the teams, if he were a donut, what type of donut would he be? You didn't get that one, did you? <laughs> no, no, I didn't, I didn't get any questions like that, no. <laughs> That's a tough one. I don't know what I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't have a, a response to
5: that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, suck it up and say, I, I don't eat donuts, you're not good for me or something like that. But, uh, yeah, they're just trying
2: Kirby Doc I don't know who you are Kirby Doc joined us at Inside Sports so now I understand Chicago this is interesting for you because is not Jonathan Taves uh, one of if not your your absolute favorite player
5: yeah I mean kind of growing up and being from Canada they, uh, they kind of went on that cup run where they won three cups in, in, in a number of years so to kind of learn from him is going to be awesome for my development and it's going to be a lot of fun to, to be in Chicago and, and to hang out around those guys
2: and did you get to briefly meet him while you were at development camp what was that like
5: yeah I got to meet uh, uh, Mr. T- Taser it and was, it was pretty surreal I mean you kind of grew up idolizing these guys and to think one day you can be teammates with them is uh, awesome.
2: Okay, so well, let's talk about that, that possibility. I know you're trying to relax a little bit now and the and the busy time is coming, but Blackhawks and obviously the Saskatoon Blades uh, are your team in the WHL coming off a, a promising season and more expected from them this year. So h- how are you weighing the, the possibilities about where you might wind up playing when the season starts?
5: Yeah, I think as an athlete you're just more so focused on trying to get to the next level as quick as you can but uh it's, it's kind of out of my control in the aspect of, of where i'm going to play but all i can do is make a, a tough decision on the blackhawks staff to, to keep me there
2: all year if we were to talk again next summer kirby regardless of where you play what's something that you personally would like to say you've improved on in in the next season
5: I uh, think just becoming a pro, uh, going from junior to pro hockey is a big step, and there's a lot of responsibility away from the game, so to kind of learn that and, and uh, to kind of be mentored by those guys, the older guys in the Flyhouse locker, locker room, and to keep in touch with them even if I don't stay there when I head back to junior. So uh, just kind of learn to, to be a pro and how to handle yourself.
2: You got an opportunity to play a couple games for Canada at the World Junior Showcase in Michigan uh, a couple of weeks ago. But what what was that like? I mean, you're now you're getting to be teammates with uh, with other elite Canadian, young elite Canadian players, and going up some of the best players from around the globe too. And I know you did that last year at the Hlinka uh, Gretzky Cup as well. But what was the World Junior Showcase like?
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, growing up as a Canadian kid, the World Juniors is, is such a big deal, and anytime you get to represent the Maple Leaf, it's it's a huge honor. So, uh, anytime I go to those events, I, I just want to try and do whatever I can to be on the team, whether it's playing a fourth line or a first line goal. And uh, obviously, I was fortunate enough to be, be put in a good situation with two good players in Joe Volano and Alexis Lafreniere, and we found chemistry right away. And and uh, we obviously had a lot of fun at that tournament, and we were able to produce as well.
2: You know, at your age, where you're at in your career, is is that something you think a lot about, the possibility of of playing in the World Juniors? It's such a ho- high-profile tournament, and it's such an honor for, for young men to get to play in it. Do, do you think about it a lot, or are you trying to just uh, put it in the back of your mind and take it as it comes? Yeah, I think
5: it's, it's always going to be on your mind, and it's obviously a, a goal of mine to be there if, if I'm available, and then they want me to be there. But uh, at the same time, I just kind of focus on, having a good camp in, in Chicago and a good rest of the summer and, and see where everything goes from there.
2: Okay, when do you head to Chicago?
5: Uh, I leave the 24th of August to, to head down there and kind of get settled in before uh, we go to camp and, and then uh, to Traverse City after that for our rookie kind of showcase games.
2: Okay. Well, we wish you all the best, Kirby. Really an exciting time for you. And, uh, you know, I know it was a couple months ago now, but congratulations on going third overall. And, And wherever this season takes you, we wish you all the best. Thanks for checking in on Inside Sports. Thank you. Kirby Dock calling in from Fort Saskatchewan tonight. Bright future for that young man. I mentioned his big season this past year with the Saskatoon Blades and the Blackhawks take him third overall. He'll definitely uh, have a shot to make the Hawks this season. If not, he's with the Blades. He's likely on the Canadian World Junior team, so he's going to have a fun season one way or the other. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. we have some other fun segments Lined up. And as someone texted in, Kellen. Did I, did I accidentally say the Eskimos game is Thursday? It is not Thursday. It, it is, is on it, Friday. It is Friday. If I said Thursday, that's incorrect. It is Friday. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have Curtis Stock in studio. He's always fun to talk to. And we're going to preview the Canadian Derby. That's on the weekend. And I'm sure we'll talk some other stuff with Curtis as well. We have also, we're also going to meet a young man tomorrow. Now, Kellen... I did not know until a few days ago that this even existed. I don't know if you knew. I don't know if people listening knew. Did you know Canada has a national dodgeball team? I did not. We have an Edmontonian on the team. He's going to join us tomorrow. Isn't that incredible? Like There's a national dodgeball team. There are world dodgeball tournaments. There you tournaments. go. I, I was not up to date on this. Exactly. So we're going to have that uh, Thursday our old friend, the founder of The Running Room, John Stanton, is going to be on the show. Do you know what else is this weekend, Kellen? Tell the me. Edmonton Marathon. There you go. Yeah. And I'm running the half marathon on Sunday. Ah, yes. They got the full marathon, the half marathon, 10K, 5K. So John always comes in the week of that race to preview it and talk about running in general. So that's going to be fun. We're, gonna have, we're having a good week. It'll keep rolling here. And when we get back, we'll keep rolling with King's Court with Eskimos long slapper, Ryan King.
0: This is Armando Sewell of the MT Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630
2: Chad. All right, 3-0. Blue Jays leading Texas. That game now in the bottom of the eighth. The uh, Edmonton Stingers close out the CEBL regular season at Fraser Valley on Thursday. Then they'll head to Saskatoon next weekend for the season-ending tournament as they'll uh, try to go in as the number one seed. Edmonton Prospects, we wrapped up their season with owner Patrick Cassidy yesterday and uh, we talked about another group being involved in the bidding to operate Remax Field, former Oiler Randy Gregg. Part of that bid, uh, it is not my belief that that group wants to bring affiliated baseball to Edmonton. I think that's going to be a tough sell for leagues that primarily operate or exclusively operate out of the United States. So I don't know if this might be another type of a college league or teams that would would share it with the prospects. There would be a lot to sort out here if uh, the Randy Gregg group did get that bid but they're the other ones going for it definitely a story to follow and council expected to make that decision in the middle of september time now for the king's court with eskimos long snapper ryan king presented by dynasty builders designing the custom home of your dreams available now exclusively in landrex communities
1: episode of King's Court on 630 Chitt. I'm your host Ryan King I'm here today with number 46 Pete sender uh, newly acquired from the team this year it's been doing a great job uh, on special teams and playing fullback uh, Pete how's the season been so far and um, being your first year uh, getting into your first couple games how's it all been yeah I had a late
0: start uh, I started on the sixth game and then my first game was against Calgary um, the Calgary game went really fast to me just trying to catch my breath special teams wasn't expecting the intensity of it uh but i worked in my own got a few good reps and then came back against ottawa and thought i had a pretty decent game so the season's been pretty good so far just really like my teammates trying to learn as much as possible from
1: the vets and uh yeah, just trying to contribute wherever I can. Nice, and how hard was that going from the sixth game then uh, straight into basically Calgary game against Edmonton? You said the intensity is super high, and you know that's obviously got to be tough, uh, not getting much reps uh, throughout the season and then rolling right into a, a huge game. I didn't take many reps,
0: obviously, during the sixth game. Didn't take any, so playing against some guys that have been playing football for two months and coming right off the bench, that was that was definitely tough. It did take a few plays for me, to really get into it, but now I'm getting more comfortable, getting more confident. Beginning of camp, I was pretty confident until I re-injured myself. So I'm just trying to get back to that level and just trying to learn as much as possible to contribute.
1: And you have been making plays. You've been contributing right off the bat coming in. Uh, you're in some pretty big special teams roles right now. Um, you know how much difference is playing special teams uh, from college compared to to the pros? A lot more work, a lot more active with the two
0: downs a lot of times you just go back and forth from Punt to punt return to kick off to kick off return. So you're on the field a lot more. The positions that I'm playing, there's a lot less space. And punt in college, I was a wing position, so made a block. I had some space to get off. I've been playing guard, so I've been getting used to uh, the lack of space and getting off with my releases with all that. So it's definitely a learning curve, but for me, it's it's a lot more fun just because uh, I don't know. I like the style of the
1: game a little bit more. Fair enough. And uh, I do remember you're my guard on punt, and uh, obviously going into the game, being your first one, I knew you're going to be pretty excited, and you're going to be all jacked up. Uh, I do remember there was a key term that I uh, kept telling you throughout the game. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, stay in your pocket, man. <laughs> yeah, just stay in my pocket, man. Don't go don't go out of your lane, right? So, Edmonton, tell me what Edmonton, you've been enjoying your time here, uh, where you live in, uh, how's all that? I have. Admittedly, I don't live in the best spot. I live on 95th and 103rd, so
0: it's, it's a little shady in those parts, but I mean, compared to the state I feel a lot safer so uh, I like Edmonton Uh, I really like hiking I've been on a few walks through the Nature Valley got a ton left to explore but um, yeah no complaints as of now the people are cool the fan base I really enjoy it it's it's pretty cool signing autographs and having kids look up to you so yeah I got I got a lot more
1: to explore but as of now I really enjoy it let's talk about fullback a little bit Um, you obviously played some tight end I believe in college and some fullback as well too Um, What about the transition going from fullback in college to your first year professionally, a couple injuries, and now all of a sudden you're basically right in it? Talk about the learning curve for that. Yeah, blocking scheme-wise,
0: we run a lot of similar stuff inside, outside zone. Um, A lot of the footwork's the same. It's just, uh, I mean, the competition's that much better at the professional level. The yard off the ball kind of changes your technique a little bit. So I kind of got thrust into a role with... Cal and Tanner going out so I feel pretty comfortable uh, the playbook was tough to grasp right from the start but now I'm getting more comfortable with it and just getting more comfortable in the huddle and being around the first string guys so just trying to improve and so I can be ready
1: when we go against Toronto this offseason training obviously going into your first pro camp um, what kind of things did you change getting out of college and now uh, preparing for the pros?
0: Yeah I knew I had to lose a lot of weight I played pretty heavy at Grand Valley I played at like 260 I was a sit down tight end kind of guy and in the states I feel like size is a little more emphasized than up here in Canada so I knew if I wanted to compete at the fullback position I had to lose some weight and had to get faster so I pretty much I I focused on just functional strength losing some weight and working on my agility Um, I worked with my strength coach from college which uh, Jimmy Rodenberg he's the head strength coach at Grand Valley Um, big ups to him for getting me ready and uh, taking time out of his
1: day to train me. I'm super appreciative of him. Nice. Uh, well, you're doing a great job, Pete. Uh, we're lucky to have you. I can see you being around here for a long time. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, that is it for another episode of King's Court on 630 Ched, I will see you next week.
2: Orly Scott composed and played that music. King's Court presented by Dynasty Builders designing at the custom they're designing the custom home of your dreams available now exclusively in Landrex communities King's Court every Tuesday here on uh, 630 chat 3-0 Blue Jays, top of the ninth, one out. They're trying to close out Texas. C.J. Gable from your Edmonton Eskimos, a player of the week in the CFL. 116 yards rushing, two touchdowns on 18 carries against Ottawa on Friday. Also had four receptions for 34 yards, his third 100-yard rushing game of the season. Former D-man Mark texting in. He says, Reed, slow night tonight. Have nothing to text about. Just letting you know I'm listening. That's nice. Hi, that Mark. very nice. Uh, Barhead Bill texted in. He said, please talk some soccer. Barhead Bill clearly missed 630-7 when we had two pro soccer players in studio from FC Edmonton. That will be up on the podcast in a matter of minutes. I, if something tells me Barhead Bill doesn't own a computer. Ah, okay. Just a phone. And uh, this texture simply says, you've lost it, man. I never had it. There was nothing to lose. Uh, you're always welcome to Tech 630 630. It is International Left-Handers Day. Oh, do we, should we play it again? Yeah, this is great. I think we've got to play it again. And faking the handoff around to his left. Oh, oh he's in trouble. Throws it away left-handed. Ricky Ray threw it away left-handed. No. The, yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. no. Stephon LaForest. Oh, it was oh, LaForest That's over right. there. Sorry, it was. I was going to say Richie Ray left-handed. <laughs> Stephon LaForest what was, that was all left-handed. <laughs> well, this is yes. something that the Eskimos talked about they in training camp that they might in. use is uh, go with a different quarterback at Why certain points that? of the game. Well, just to give the defense a different look, I nah. guess. Nah. Halsey and uh, Dave Campbell doing a game. I believe that was in 2008. Just that no-yes banter between Dave and Halsey. Just give me that all day, every day. It's probably the best thing that's ever aired (laughs) on our station. (laughs) Absolutely. We used to play Def Leppard songs in the 80s, front to back. Mm -hmm. Stephon LaForce. Oh, LaForce over there. Ricky Ray threw it away left-handed. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. That's incredible. Dave hates it when I play that. Sometimes we'll just be sitting in the sports department, and I'll just find that audio file and play it. No, I will say today he reminded me about it. He goes, since it's International Left-Handers Day. You should play that Lafours thing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I did. So I did. Uh, this texter says, uh, since it is slow, what do you think to uh, talk to all the women Olympic hockey players whose league folded last year? That is a good idea. Now, by, by the way, I didn't say it was slow. Another texter said it, he didn't have anything to text about. We've had a pretty busy show. That's right. Did we have a guest on about that league folding? I thought we did. When it we did, we did when it happened. Yeah, yeah, we did when it happened. Uh, it could be something to follow up on. Appreciate mm-hmm. ideas like that. Though it is uh, it is something for sure that, that we have talked about on uh, on Inside Sports. Absolutely. Okay, uh, I mentioned tomorrow Curtis Stock is coming in. We'll talk uh, Canadian Derby and a whole bunch of other stuff. We'll have the latest on the Eskimos practice. We'll have... Uh, th- this, is a, this is a real thing. I think this is going to be fun. An Edmontonian who is a member of Canada's dodgeball team. We have part two of our How We Watch series on Thursday. Former Rogers Sportsnet president... Scott Moore, and a guy who used to run Hockey Night in Canada, and he was with Rogers when they got that big contract with the NHL. He's not with Rogers anymore, but he'll have a really cool perspective on television sports, how we're consuming them, what they're competing against, really awesome stuff. And Running Room President John Stanton is coming up on uh, Thursday as well. Jay Bueller says, if I were a donut, I'd be a plain donut with a hole in the middle where my soul should be. Wow, that is deep. Deep and dark from Jay Bueller. So I think it was Jordan Hoover. Do you remember we had him on? Yeah. At, from the CFL draft. During the draft, I, During yeah. the CFL draft, he joined me at Commonwealth Stadium and just talked about his career in being drafted. Mm-hmm. And when he was being scouted for the CFL, one of the teams asked him, if, if you were a donut, what type of donut That's would you That's right, be. yeah. That's a great Well, And Jay Bueller, who's one of our funniest texters, no doubt about kind enough to write in, if I were a donut, I'd be a plain donut with a hole in the middle where my soul should be. Just think about that. Jay, you have shown a depth that I didn't know existed. I'd be a Boston cream. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be a wingnut donut. Do they have such a thing? <laughs> All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Dave Cabell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Take care.